Support for legislative programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and AARP Utah, a nonpartisan social change organization with a membership helping people 50 and over improve their lives by providing materials, programs, and advocacy on key issues. More information is available at aarp.org. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Last week, high-ranking officials from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints held a news conference to address issues of religious freedom and discrimination against the LGBT community. On today's program, we'll look at legislation being proposed this year at the Utah Legislature regarding these issues. Governor Herbert, for one, thinks the two issues are linked and should be addressed together. He says that if the legislature passes an anti-discrimination bill, it should also pass a bill ensuring religious freedom for those who, for example, don't support same-sex marriage. Well, we're going to ask you today, in this hour, what you think. You can join us right now at 1-800-826-1495, toll-free number anywhere you're listening. You can join us on the email at upraxis at gmail.com, and on Twitter, we're at Utah Public Radio. Later in the program, we're going to be talking with Senator Stephen Urquhart, whose Senate Bill 100 would make statewide provisions uh, barring discrimination against the LGBT community, especially in housing and employment. And uh, later in the program, we'll also be talking with Representative Jacob Andereg, whose House Bill 66 would ensure, he says, religious freedom, especially on this issue. We're going to start with Governor Gary Herbert. Last week, I reached Governor Herbert. We recorded a conversation. It happened to be on the day, Tuesday, when the LDS Church held their news conference. And here's the uh, governor's reaction. We're uh, pleased to be speaking with uh, Utah Governor Gary Herbert uh, on this part of the program. Governor, uh, I'd like to, before I get into some of the budget priorities and other topics, uh, get your take on uh, breaking news. LDS Church uh, held a news conference. Uh, wonder what you would take on the, the two prongs of that. Uh, the, the church leaders seem to give uh, support to an anti-discrimination uh, bill for gays and lesbians in housing and employment, and they stressed uh, the need for religious freedom enhancements. Well, I think they've identified the challenge that we face as a state, particularly when it comes to creating legislation. Uh, I think most all of us agree that there should be no discrimination in the workplace or in housing, particularly based on sexual orientation, as well as some other issues out there. But uh, the, the challenge we face now is with the uh, growing animus towards those who have a different point of view as they exercise their constitutional rights of free speech and their uh, rights to worship and practice their religion the way they want, those issues of religious freedom and anti-discrimination kind of bump up against each other. And therein lies the challenge that we see emerging out of this kind of change that's occurring in our society here across the country. And so I appreciate the LDS Church weighing in on this. We have had other churches weigh in on it, Uh, business and civic leaders, uh, people of all stripes out there saying this is what we think should be done or should not be done. And I think the legislature, you know, needs to, to, to grapple with this and see if it's in fact possible to have an anti-discrimination piece of legislation that people will be uh, supportive of. I personally believe that if we have anti-discrimination legislation that would be on a statewide basis, it needs to be coupled with religious freedom 
legislation so that in, in, in that they work in concert with each other there's no uh, uh, diminution of the rights of either side. Now that's a hard thing to do, because my right to practice my religion might interfere with some of your uh, focus on an anti-discrimination or be perceived to be discriminatory. So that's the challenge. But I think that you know our, I have great confidence in our legislators, and uh, I think that we can work together here uh, and and find a solution to that uh, difficult and emotional issue. But, uh, again, the LDS voice today uh, was heard, and I think that will help, you know, uh, as added information to the dialogue as we move forward. Would you, would you support something like uh, Representative Anderegg's bill from last uh, session, House Bill 66, which would de- detail that religious leaders cannot be forced to perform same-sex marriages? Would, uh, would you support something like that if it came up again? Well, I, I think as a principle, whether it's uh, Representative Anderegg's bill or anybody else's, and the devil is always in the details, so without reviewing the actual piece of legislation, it's hard to say whether I would support it or not. But I certainly support the principle that religious leaders should not be forced to do something that's contrary to their tenets of their faith and should not be made to perform marriages if they think that's somehow contrary to God's law. Uh, so that's certainly part of it. But it's not only just the, the religion itself and its own practices, which there's a concern that there's going to be an encroachment onto that as we move forward, but it's uh, businesses owned by religions. Uh, it's also people that practice their own faith and religion in their own businesses. And the challenge now of dealing with the public and yet not maybe wanting to uh, hire or uh, have somebody that has a contrary point of view and exhibits a contrary point of view than your own religious faith. And, and that, that becomes a, a problem. Elected officials, our, our clerks that we have out there that are under the law required to, or at least allowed to, perform marriages at the request of individuals. If you had an elected official, that's contrary to my beliefs. Why am I being forced to perform a, a marriage that I didn't sign up for? So there are some issues out there, uh, difficult issues that we need to address and see if we can't find you know, common ground and protect people's individual rights based on their principles and values, their religion or their non-religion, uh, whatever they have a, as a, per, uh, a point of view, and make sure that in the process we don't discriminate against people's civil rights. And uh, that's going to be, a, I think, a delicate issue to address. But I'm confident that our legislators can take that on and find the, the common ground point of view that will maybe please most everybody. I guess everybody's going to have to probably compromise just a tad mm-hmm. to get to that sweet spot, but I think that can happen. And uh, would you be supportive of uh, the principles behind, maybe not specifics, of uh, Senator Urquhart's uh, Senate Bill 100 from, from last uh, year, which would uh, which would make statewide provisions, anti-discrimination provisions for gays and lesbians in housing and employment? Well, I think it now seems to be timely for a statewide. I've always supported uh, you know, local governments providing their own statutes on non-discrimination. The LDS Church came out here a number of years back and supported Salt Lake City's efforts to have a non-discrimination ordinance, so that, that part is really not new. The question is whether uh, we should mandate statewide. 
and some cities wanted it. Some counties and cities wanted to have an anti-discrimination. Others thought it was not necessary, uh, certainly not relevant or timely. Maybe that's changed now. That will be part of the discussion and debate. I'm not much of a micromanager. I don't think we ought to have top-down micromanagement. It's more bottom-up from the people. And if communities want to have anti-discrimination measures in place, they will work through their local elected officials to get those in place. It may be time to look on a, on a broader scale, and so that will be part of the discussion. Should we have a statewide uh, anti-discrimination? And uh, I think the church has weighed in and said that they think that maybe now is the time. And other churches have weighed in already on that and think that that's probably an appropriate time. So maybe, you know, it is timely. But again, let me hasten to add, if we're going to do that, we need to have coupled with it a religious freedom piece of legislation, too, that balances that out. Now, in the wake of uh, court rulings on same-sex marriage, does will Utah need to, in your view, tweak it's, you know, legal definitions of marriage, anything that needs to be done in, in this coming session? Well, the final chapter of same-sex marriage has not been written yet. I was disappointed, along with, I think, a majority of Utahns, to see the Supreme Court I think be somewhat derelict in their duty by not taking on our case. And uh, we had a legitimate uh, argument on a state right basis and historical precedent since the founding of our country that marriage has been defined by the states and has always been defined as heterosexual. Uh, cultures have changed and there's certainly different points of view out there, but that generally has changed by the voice of the people through their elected representatives that they change statutes and laws. And that's, I think, would have been a better way to have this change, and I think that was clearly the direction the country was going. That being said, you know, uh, challenged in court, and we have, uh, you know, a couple of uh, judges on the bench that see it differently and set aside the Constitution of Utah, Amendment 3, so-called. And we all were hoping it would go to the Supreme Court to have it resolved once and for all. And they decided not to do it. Now, because of the 6th District Court and the division there, it looks like they're going to take it. So sometime this year, I think probably before summer, sometime before June or about June, we'll get a resolution to this issue once and for all based on the decision of the Supreme Court. That will clearly have impact on the entire country and laws currently on the books and, and even here in Utah as far as what we need to look at as far as changing, amending, modifying some of the uh, terms used in our statutes and when it comes to marriage and those kinds of things. So I expect that will be dealt with at that time. Maybe no rush to do it right now, uh, even though the law of the land is what the law of the land is based on the Tenth Circuit's uh, uh, decision to uphold Judge Shelby's ruling on same-sex marriage. But again, like I say, we still have more to, to learn from the Supreme Court. That will give us a clearer and more precise path of what we need to do going forward. That was my conversation with Governor Gary Herbert from last week. In fact, I reached him on the day, Tuesday, that the LDS Church came out uh, with their uh, press conference. That's gotten a lot of uh, uh, press coverage. And there uh, seems to be a movement on the part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in uh, their willingness to support a statewide ban on discrimination against the LGBT community uh, in especially housing and employment discrimination. Governor Herbert, you heard right there, linked that issue with the issue of religious freedom. 
Representative uh, Jacob Andereg is uh, proposing a couple of bills in this session. We'll be talking with Representative Andereg later in the program, uh, which would ensure, he says it's needed, um, pr- protection for uh, officials who have religious objections to, uh, say, performing same-sex marriages. Uh, Some say that uh, those protections are not needed. Representative Andereg says they are. And so he's proposing House Bill 66, also House Joint Resolution 5, which proposes a constitutional amendment on this. And uh, Senator Stephen Urquhart uh, is proposing Senate Bill 100, which would uh, make statewide that anti-discrimination ban, which several cities have uh, uh, taken up. Uh, He says it uh, looks more likely that that'll pass this session now that uh, the LDS Church has uh, come out in support, at least uh, on principle, of this this issue. We're going to take a a break. When we come back, we'll have with us uh, Senator Stephen Urquhart and later in the program, Representative Jacob Andereg. We want to know what you think. You can join us via Twitter at Utah Public Radio. You can join us online uh, by email to upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, you can join us uh, by phone, 1-800-826-1495. More following the break. Next time on the TED Radio Hour, we ask, what's your biggest fear? Just people. <laughs> One of my most vivid fears is being on a plane imagining it crashing. I'm scared of speaking on the phone. Is there anything that you're afraid of right now? Um, No. I'm Guy Raz. We'll explore fear and fearlessness. It's on the next TED Radio Hour from NPR. Monday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Support for legislative programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and AARP Utah, a nonpartisan social change organization with a membership helping people 50 and over improve their lives by providing materials, programs, and advocacy on key issues. More information is available at aarp.org. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We are responding to news from last week. High-ranking officials of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints held a news conference, and they came out in support of a statewide ban on discrimination against the LGBT community, especially in housing and employment. That's something that has not passed, uh, although it's been brought up at previous uh, legislative sessions. Uh, They also uh, stressed uh, their support for uh, protections uh, for the religious community, especially uh, in in a backlash as they see it against uh, those who do not support uh, same-sex marriage as society moves in a different direction. Uh, We're going to talk later in the program with Representative Jacob Andereg. He's proposing a couple of bills dealing with religious freedom. Right now, we bring in Senator Stephen Urquhart, whose Senate Bill 100 would uh, make statewide a ban on discrimination against the LGBT community. Senator Urquhart, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Great to be here. So tell us what uh, Senate Bill 100 would, would do. Okay. Currently in Utah law, uh, in employment and housing, uh, it's it's illegal to make decisions based on race, gender, ethnicity, age, and this would add to that sexual orientation, gender identity. So in other words, you wouldn't be able to fire someone or evict someone when you find out that that person is gay. Hmm. Now, do you, do you think it's more likely it's going to pass this time around uh, after that news conference? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's much more likely. I think that we have a lot of details to 
figure out. But uh, I think the fate of this bill has been in the hands of the Mormon Church uh, for years. Um, now, I thought I always knew where the Mormon Church was, and that was in favor of the bill, because it did support the ordinances in Salt Lake City and County in 2009, um, but it's been silent since then. And uh, a lot of people have rushed into that silence to say that the Mormon Church is against non-discrimination, you know, this non-discrimination bill. Um, you know, that's been frustrating. I, I had hoped that the Church would speak up, and it did. It spoke very loudly and clearly this past week. and. I think it's good for uh, the fate of my bill, and I think it's a fantastic thing for the Mormon Church. So setting, setting aside the LS Church or other churches, what, what's the opposition been to a statewide ban? Some cities have passed this. What, what's the opposition been to a statewide ban of discrimination? Well, I mean, I think the opposition truly has been uh, people thinking they were doing the bidding of the LDS Church. Uh, now, you know, that's been couched in terms of they don't want to create a special class and, uh, you know, invasion of property rights and, and other things. But I, I really do think that it's people who, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, Mormons in the legislature and uh, tons of Mormons in the state. And just like the Baptist Church is very relevant in the South and the Catholic Church is very relevant in uh, Massachusetts, the Mormon Church is extremely relevant in Utah. Uh, it's interesting. You've been running this bill for uh, at least a couple of years, right? I'm, I'm reading an op-ed piece you wrote in the in the Tribune from 2013. So, and, and you talk about a man who came up to you and said, talking to you, are you too stupid to understand that I can hire who I want and rent my property whoever I want? And then, and then your response was, well, you know, as, as long as you don't, uh, you know, uh, Essentially, as long as you don't display bigotry, right? You know, as long as you don't discriminate. Yeah, I mean, okay, so let's talk about some of the exemptions. In this. If you have a room in the home you live in, you can rent that to whoever you want. You can discriminate against whoever you want. If you have uh, a rental unit, you can discriminate. If you have two rental units, you can discriminate. If you have three, you can discriminate. But once you have four, then we consider that you're in commerce. And if you're in commerce... Uh, we're going to have a level playing field, and that's where the existing law says if you have four or more units, you cannot make decisions based on race, ethnicity, gender, age. We would add to that sexual orientation, gender identity. The threshold for employment is 15 or more employees. So at that point, you're a big enough business that you are in commerce, and uh, uh, currently you can't hire, fire, you can't make decisions based on race, ethnicity, gender, age, we're going to add to that sexual orientation, gender identity. What about the uh, the, the argument of pro private property rights? Um, I, I suppose you would say that that, that horse has left the barn, right? We, we're, we're already uh, setting up uh, classes that you can't discriminate against, and so we should add the LGBT community to it. Well, I mean, property rights, it's, they're very, very important. You know, religious liberty is very, very important. So that's the job of a legislative body is to balance important rights. Now, uh, uh, you know, one of the, the main things that America is based on is equality. You know, that's, that's part of the reason we came into existence. It's the reason we fought a civil war. It's the reason we had the, the great, wonderful turmoil we had in the 60s, 70s over civil rights. That is our great quest in America is to find equality. And uh, we try to strike balances. So property rights 
are vitally important. But just like you can't, you know, have uh, a chemical plant in the middle of your neighborhood because that will uh, impact your neighbors, just like you can't have a brothel on your property, just like, you know, there's several things you can and can't do with your property. We're saying that if you're in the business of renting property, um, then you can't discriminate uh, based on, we would add, sexual orientation, gender identity. And we'll see if the legislature is, is ready for this. Um, I think the people of Utah are definitely ready for this. So hopefully we do the, the bidding of our people and we pass this this year. You said that in that op-ed piece from 2013 that uh, you were getting a positive response when you went to your ward. You know, you're, you're, oh, usually so. I mean, you know, I live in uh, one of the most conservative parts of this state, which is one of the most conservative parts of America. And, yeah, my constituents, they want this. You know, of course, there are some who who don't, some who are quite exercised against this, but uh, uh, the majority of my constituents want this. So you, so you believe the, the I guess, the, the average layperson, at least where you are, is, is in line at least now with what the top officials have said in the other states. Yeah, Utahns are very fair-minded. Um, the, the idea that someone could be working at a job, be a good employee, you know, be working toward a pension, and then all of a sudden be fired because the boss finds out that that employee is gay and has nothing to do with job performance, Utahns recoil when they, when they hear that. So they want these protections in place. And, uh, now the fact that the LDS Church has spoken out, it, it just makes it that that much clearer that this is something that we need to act on, we need to move on. Do you see a generational divide? No, oh, it's huge, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, that's I, I think I'm just doing what's right. I run a lot of bills, and sometimes they have a lot of controversy. Uh, you know, this one gets a lot of attention, and so I have older folks saying, oh, this is such a courageous thing you're doing, and I have younger folks, when I tell them I'm doing this, they're going, really? That's an issue? I mean, they don't they don't count this as courage, they don't count this as step forward, they just can't believe that these protections don't already exist. Right. I want to ask you if you see the, the two issues we're talking about the program today is linked. Later on the program, we're going to talk to Representative Jacob Anderegg about his bills on religious freedom. The uh, other church officials, uh, elders uh, Oaks and Holland, um, talked uh, you know, a lot about this anti-discrimination ban, but they also stressed the need for protections for officials with regard to religious freedom. Governor Herbert, who we heard from earlier in the program, he sees these two issues as linked. I wonder what, uh, and he sees this as a balancing, a balancing act. Uh, how, would you, how do you well, see those two? The church did link them, and Governor Herbert immediately followed suit on that the next day. Um, you know, I wish people would take the time to read my bill. I mean, you know, in existing law, under non-discrimination, uh, it doesn't apply to churches. It doesn't apply to BYU housing. Um, so religious protections are already in my bill. My bill deals with employment and housing that in no way, shape, or form impacts religious organizations. Uh, you know, and I'll tell you what's funny is at the press conference, um, Elder Oaks was talking about people who faced workplace actions in response to their religious practices. Well, that's exactly what this law protects. My law, the one we're amending, uh, it would protect if an employer took an action 
against a Mormon for supporting Prop 8. This is the law that would protect that person in his job. And uh, so my bill, it it should go forward. All the religious protections that are already in it. If someone wants to add more religious protections in it, then let's do that. That's fine. I think what people are really talking about, they're talking about protections for for a com- public accommodation. That's where you're talking about cake bakers, florists, being forced to provide services for a gay marriage. That's not my bill. And so uh, President or Elder Oaks said that the church was okay with some public accommodation that wanted religious freedom protections. Well, then those are the two things that should be linked together. Let's link together public accommodations and religious freedom. Because my bill, this is existing law, it, we have tons of religious protections in it, it's time to pass non-discrimination. I don't think that this one, this bill needs to be leveraged. The issue of leveraging non-discrimination in 2015 uh, is just not something we need to do. The church was, the Mormon church was in favor of this in 2009, it remains in favor of it. Let's pass the bill. So you... Uh you see these essentially as, as separate. Pass your bill, and and uh, say you know let's say Representative Van Der Egg's bill. There might be others on religious freedom that that should be considered separately. Well, no. What I'm saying is religious freedom. I think what it's it's tough to tell, but I think what the LDS Church was saying is if we're going to have increased public accommodation, if we're going to force businesses to provide services. To gays, then there needs to be uh, also areas where people can practice their religion without facing discrimination. Um, you know, a religious freedom, religious liberty bill. Well, let's link those two things. Those are the new things to the conversation this year. There hasn't been a public accommodation statute for LGBT individuals until this year. There hasn't been uh, religious freedom legislation until this year. Uh, Those are the two things that should be linked. My bill, who really opposes my bill? You know, the, the Mormon Church sure doesn't. So why don't we go ahead and pass that bill that is layered with religious protections? Now, last year there was some talk at the legislature about. I mean, let me let me let me take one more minute on this. I yeah, think yes, that a ahead. lot of people, uh, probably including the governor, I don't think that they understand that there's three separate issues here. That you have non-discrimination in employment housing, one issue. You have public accommodations, complete separate issue, and then you have the issue of religious freedom. And I think that people need to understand those are three issues, and the religious freedoms and accommodations, they can and probably should be coupled. The the non-discrimination in employment and housing issue, it should go forward because it already contains all the religious protections we possibly could put into it. Again, if someone wants to think of additional religious protections, let's put them in there, but those protections would only apply to employment and housing. I think the church is seeking broader protections. Well, that would be in a bill that is outside of employment now. And the, the church did, at least my reading of it, the church did seem to be linking these two and, I don't know, maybe trying to leverage this. You, you don't, I don't know if you agree with that, and, and you seem to be saying you, you, you definitely want the, the two 
to be, or the three, the two of the three, uh, yours to be separated out? Well, again, it's there are three concepts that the church talked about in its press conference, and I can't tell if it's trying to leverage the issue of non-discrimination. Um, I don't think it would do that. Um, it it came out unequivocally in favor of non-discrimination in 2009. I don't think it would take a step backwards in 2015 on that. You know, it, it wants a win on this, and it deserves a win. This is a huge step for the Church. It should come out and say, we're opposed to discrimination in employment and housing. Let's end it in our home state, period. We also know that there's a quest for public accommodation. We think that should be leveraged with religious freedom. That is an appropriate conversation. I don't think that the Church, when it teases out what it really meant, I don't think it's telling the world that it's only willing to consider non-discrimination in employment housing if it can leverage that for increased religious freedoms. I really don't think that's what it's saying, but, you know, that's what we'll do in the remaining weeks of the session, is we will figure this out, and I do think we'll figure it out. I mean, I, I think this is a great cause for celebration, and we will get there. But uh, it's, it's just, I can't believe that the Church truly intended to leverage the issue of non-discrimination. I think that it is comfortable with the language in the existing law. It helped draft a lot of that. So I think it's going to clarify that it's okay adding gender uh, uh, sexual orientation, gender identity, to that law, which is layered with religious protection. I think what it's going to clarify is it is trying to leverage uh, religious freedoms and public accommodation. Uh, let's go to a couple of our uh, listeners. This is an email from Gary in uh, Logan. Gary says uh, he's wondering if Senator Urquhart might have any numbers on the extent of discrimination in our state. Any statistics on LGBT people having problems with their employers or landlords? How deep does this problem uh, sink? Um, it's very deep. Uh, when you talk with members of the LGBT community, um, half of them say that they have faced workplace or housing discrimination. Oh, over half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's so a fairly extensive pro, uh, problem. It's 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 pervasive. Yeah, what do you hear? Do you do you hear from members of the LGBT community? On, oh on yeah, this? all mm-hmm. the time, all the time. I mean, that's been a great aspect of running this. Um, you know, as I I think I probably grew up as homophobic as anyone, uh, just because I didn't understand. Uh, you know, I didn't know that many gay people, and uh, you know, over the years, I. Uh, uh, met gay people and and you know just duh, came to the understanding that they're people and uh, uh, you know now uh, I have the great privilege of interacting with a lot of members of the LGBT community and uh, you know it's just like like most communities a lot of wonderful individuals and this member of this group though they happen to face a more difficult road when it comes to finding a job, keeping a job, uh, securing good housing. And if I can help with that, if the state can help with that, it's just going to make us a much better place. I'd like to just have a couple minutes left. Uh, uh, I'd like to tease out a little further this uh, 
I think you're talking about public accommodation when you talk about the, um, you made a reference to the florist. I think this is in Washington State who refused to serve a, a gay couple. There's a, a bakery who refused to bake wedding cake. Is is right. this, this the public accommodation that you're talking about? Yeah. And so, again, that has nothing to do with employment and how, and what what a lot of people don't know is we do have a public accommodation law on our books. Um Businesses cannot deny services to anyone based on color, ethnicity, age, gender. Um, and so Senator DeBacchus is running a bill this year to add to that uh, sexual orientation, gender identity. And uh, that is the one that would bring in cake bakers and florists. And so people want to conflate that and say that that's part of my bill. It's not. My bill is simply, can you fire someone for being gay? Can you evict someone for being gay? Hmm. And again, that's why the LDS Church, it's not, it's not opposed to that. It's in favor of that. It, it wants the citizens of this state protected. And I think that when we tease out exactly the details of what it announced, it's going to support Now, last year... There was a talk, I think uh, there's a movement to, to say, let's wait on all of these bills until the Supreme Court rules in a final way. It looks like the, the high court is going to take up a case. Uh, they refused to, to, to weigh in definitively last year. Do you, I assume you think we should not wait, on at least on your bill. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to wait based on the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, it... it it couldn't care less what the state of Utah does on these issues when it faces the same-sex marriage issue. Uh, so, do you, do you are you predicting your bill will pass this year? Then, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it will. There's a lot of work left to do. Um, uh, you know, and as as you can tell, my my goal is to get people to focus on exactly what my bill does. You know, let's assume that the church was leveraging my bill. Let's assume that the LDS church was saying we will only pass, uh, we will only oppose discrimination against LGBT uh, individuals in employment housing if we get religious protections. They're in there. They're already in there. Let's pass the bill. And so if the LDS church needs additional protections uh, in employment housing, well, let's talk about them. Let's get them in there. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in religious protection. That's part of the reason we're such a great nation. I think that they're in there because, again, the Mormon Church, it, it was at the table when this law came into being years and years ago. So all the religious protections are already in there. Um, now, when we deal with issues beyond employment and housing, if people of faith want additional protections when it comes to public accommodations or anything else under the sun, and that's fine. Let's let's run a bill and put those things in a in a cage and have them, you know, battle it out. But mm-hmm. but my bill, it's ready to go, uh, full of religious protections. We'll reach the end of our uh, segment with Senator Urquhart. Senator Stephen Urquhart, he's Republican from St. George. Uh, his uh, Senate Bill 100 would make statewide uh, the bans on discrimination against the LGBT community in housing and employment that are in existence in some municipalities, make that statewide. Uh, thank you so much, Senator Urquhart. Appreciate that. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on with us. We're going to take another break. When we come back in our final segment, we'll talk with Representative Jacob Anderig. He's uh, running a couple bills, House Bill 66 
which would uh, deal with uh, additional protections for uh, religious uh, freedom protections for officials. Also, House Joint Resolution 5, which would uh, propose a constitutional amendment on this issue. And we do have uh, some emails stacked up on this, and we'll uh, run those past uh, Representative Anderig. I've saved a couple of those because they dealt more with the religious freedom aspect of this. You can join us. We'd love to know what you think. Uh, Do you support Senate Bill 100? Uh, How about House Bill 66? Do you think these issues are linked? The governor uh, does. Uh, We heard from him earlier in the program. Uh, More following the break. It's great to see pictures of the streets of Buenos Aires, Argentina, colorful corrugated buildings of La Boca neighborhood, the colonial filigree of the San Telmo area. But what does it sound like? The Canadian Guitar Quartet gives us a musical tour of this fascinating city on the next performance today from APM. Monday morning at 11 on Utah Public Radio. Support for legislative programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and AARP Utah, a nonpartisan social change organization with a membership helping people 50 and over improve their lives by providing materials, programs, and advocacy on key issues. More information is available at aarp.org. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We've reached the last segment of the program. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're going to be talking with uh, Representative Jacob Anderick. He's a Republican uh, representing Lehigh area. Uh, and uh, we heard the LDS Church news conference last week. It's, uh, it's all over the news. And they uh, uh, talked about two issues. They talked about a support, the LDS Church, on a statewide ban on discrimination against the LGBT community, especially in employment and housing. They also stressed the need for protections for uh, religious officials with regard to uh, some of these issues. Um, and uh, so we've talked with Senator Urquhart, his Senate Bill 100. He thinks uh, that press conference really gave a boost to his bill. Now we bring in Representative Andreg, who's proposed House Bill 66, also House Joint Resolution 5. Welcome to the program, Representative. Thank you for having me. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Uh, so uh, House Bill 66, what would what would this do? Well, before we, we get too much into it, uh, House Bill 66 has uh, already been modified. It's not been public uh, on those modifications. I modified it before the beginning of the session, which uh, was trying to strike the balance between protecting religious liberties of individuals, in essence providing an individual exemption, and yet at the same time guaranteeing uh, services uh, to all members of uh, our society uh, when they request them. So in essence, if if an LGBT uh, person or couple were to go in and request a marriage license, they could still do so. But if I was the elected official or the appointed person, I could I could step away and recuse myself from, from performing that, solemnizing that ceremony, and yet on the same account, the county or the city, wherever is issuing the license, would uh, have a duty and obligation to render the services. So that's what House Bill 66 does in mm-hmm. a nutshell. Uh, so I think you've answered one question I had for you. I'll, I'll just ask it anyway to, to clarify this. Uh, so this is addressing um, employees of the state acting in their official capacity, right? Not, not necessarily, uh, say, a, a Mormon bishop who's called upon to solemnize a a marriage and being forced to to in just a religious capacity you're you're talking about uh, people 
uh, being protected in the Religious Beliefs Act while acting in a, in a official capacity for the state? Well, it actually technically addresses both. It, would, it, it looks at the statute in Utah law that, that authorizes people to solemnize marriage, which would include clergy, but also includes um, both elected and public appointed officials, uh, judges, Speaker of the House, President of the Senate, the governor, lieutenant governor, uh, as well as county clerks, justices of the peace, mayors, county commissioners, and whatnot. Anybody who is authorized in state statute to solemnize marriage. Uh, but it is important, I think, to make the distinction uh, between receiving a certificate to marry and solemnizing the marriage. Those are actually two separate issues, and it's the second issue that I'm primarily addressing is that someone has, I believe, the religious right to be able to recuse themselves as long as services are still um, rendered uh, at the time requested. Hmm. Now, uh, some would say, some are saying, uh, these additional protections are not needed. It's already, uh, you already find uh, protections in the Constitution. Sure. First Amendment uh, does address this. Uh, the the distinction is that the First Amendment uh, traditionally has been interpreted by the courts as granting religious protections to religions, religious organizations, as opposed to individuals. And this this bill would address um, the right of someone to recuse themselves based upon religious grounds to solemnize uh, a marriage if it if it goes against their strongly held religious uh, beliefs, doctrines, tenets, and free exercise of religious conscience. Now, striking the balance, though, is the issue, um, because I think that someone should have the exemptive right to recuse themselves as long as the services can still be rendered and, and, and uh, received by those who request. We do have uh, several emails uh, coming in, uh, a couple of those addressed to the governor. I'll, I'll read those, and then if Representative Vanderick has uh, any response, he can do that. And then a couple addressed uh, specifically on this issue. issue. Uh, but I want to uh, ask you about House Joint Resolution 5. You're proposing a constitutional amendment? Yes. It, in essence, does the same thing as House Bill 66. It just doesn't get into the legalese of who is authorized to solemnize marriage. Basically, what it says is any religious organization... Um, or an individual acting in in and for behalf of a religious organization shall not be required, may not be compelled to solemnize uh, that marriage or any religious rite when doing so uh, violates their religious beliefs, doctrines, and tenets. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I'm not I'm a little more hesitant on running that bill right now after what the church came out with, um, but. Uh, because I think House Bill 66 will address it sufficiently. So I don't know mm. at this point if I'm actually going to push uh, HJR 5. Okay. Now, do you think that press conference, the LDS Church, uh, they talked extensively in that press conference, and they've talked to other places about need for freedoms, uh, for protections for religious uh, freedom. Do you think that's going to boost the chances for your House Bill 66? Um, I think so. Uh, one of the things I got from there from their uh, news conference was the need to balance those quote-unquote uh, equal guarantees under the law. How do you preserve the religious liberty while at the same time protecting equal protection under the law? You know, making sure that people are all treated the same. Finding that right balance, the dual guarantee, um, easier said than done. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, we have a, a handful of uh, legislators since Tuesday's um, 
announcement. I think it was Tuesday or was it Wednesday? <laughs> My weeks are already jumbled together. But anyhow, uh, since their announcement, we've gotten together and we've actually started to draft legislation that would meld the two, um, both in non-discrimination as well as religious liberties, trying to strike that balance. And uh, I'm actually very pleased that uh, things are coming together nicely. We're, we're in the final stages of language. I'm not prepared to discuss it publicly yet um, because we're still building consensus with individuals. Um, I'd, we have had some conversations with Senator Urquhart. Senator Urquhart, I believe, would like to keep his bills, his bill separate from anything jointly. So I think we're going to put this forward as, uh, uh, in essence, a compromise uh, stance, a piece of legislation that will strike that balance, we believe, to provide protection for all, while at the same time uh, guarantee individual liberties. Yeah, Senator Urquhart earlier in this program was adamant that uh, he wants his bill considered separate. Um, you, so, so you see this as a balancing um, issue, and so you, you would like to see all of this uh, considered together, would you? I think if you don't do it together, you run the risk of missing something and creating a gap between certain issues in regards of the overall issue. Um, if you run a piecemeal aspect of of legislation, you know, my bill that does this, so-and-so's bill that does that, and so-and-so's bill that does this, then all of a sudden, well, what happens if you're that sliver in between those two bills and and you're in no man's land? I, I think that that's a that's a poor way to address this. Uh, personally, I do think it makes sense to combine them and to run them such that you've got coverage, broad coverage across the board in all of these aspects. Um, admittedly, though, that, that does present some challenges. And, and for some of our colleagues, I'm assuming we haven't rolled it out. We haven't had the discussions yet. So it may be a bigger fight for us to have, but I do think it's a better way to do it so that we're addressing all aspects of it and don't, in, in essence, create gaps where people are still left questioning. We're talking with Representative Jacob Andreg. He's a Republican from uh, Lehigh, and he's proposing House Bill 66, which would address issues of religious freedom. Uh, those issues were addressed at a press conference with the high-ranking officials of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints last week. And we're talking about that on the, on the program today. We just have a few minutes left. I've been neglecting our listeners. Let's get right to some emails here. By the way, you can join us. We hope you will. Uh, wonder what you think. Uh, upraxis at gmail.com is our email, upraxis at gmail.com. You can call us at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. And you can join us on Twitter. We're at Utah Public Radio. So here is Stephen in Arizona. So what he says, I'm not a Utahan, so I don't want to weigh in on your discussion, but I will bet that there are many Utah listeners who share my confusion about which are the religious freedoms that need protecting to balance the anti-discrimination proposal. Freedom to do what or freedom from what? To this listener, it's not at all clear. Okay. So thank Are you, you wanting me to respond? Uh, yeah, yes. Yes, I'd love <laughs> okay. you to respond. Well, here, here's, here's a great example for it. Um, if you're a religious-affiliated organization, such as a university, and if you look in the state of Utah, we've got at least one major one in Provo, where if you look at the way that their honor code reads and, uh, and their employment agreements read, 
you have to basically be a temple recommend holder or get an endorsement from your ecclesiastical authority of your own religion in order to work at BYU. And then you have to go on and agree to um, to abide by the honor code and quote unquote keep the commandments as as they you know share them. Uh, if you fail to, you can be fired. Uh, similarly, if you are unmarried and let's say you're a male with um, gender identity, uh, you know you feel like you're a female, but you're living in all male student housing. And after this bill passes, two weeks later, you get a you know you show up as Susan. Uh, they will remove you from living in that place. So the question is, does an institution or an individual have the right to exercise those, quote-unquote, religious liberties that are fundamental to BYU uh, without have, you know, fear of, of, of you know, running into problems? Here's another example. Here's another example. Uh, let's say I'm a real estate broker and I hire um, Fred, and uh, but you know I I don't know that he's LGBT I don't know he's gay, um, and he's doing subpar work as far as I'm concerned and I fire him because of you know whatever for cause right. Next thing I know I'm getting a lawsuit against me because I discriminated. I didn't even know he was gay. You get what I'm saying? There are instances where where this could be used as a billy club over the head of business as well as uh, religious institutions and individuals who may have issues to say hey I. I'm not comfortable with this, or I'm not comfortable with that, and I don't want to be beat over the head when it really didn't have anything to do with uh, with the reason of the termination or whatnot. So those are, I think, those are two examples that uh, I hear frequently uh, in that very instance, or very similarly, that uh, that the legislators up here are citing as reasons of concern why we need protections for both. Here's a uh, Facebook post from Charlie. Um... He's urging uh, his readers to uh, vote no on House Bill 66. He's, he, here's how he characterizes it, and this would uh, be representative of one strain of opposition to your bill. Uh, he says sure. it, it defi- House Bill 66 uh, defines who can perform marriages and allows state employees to pick and choose which marriages they solemnize. I would agree with him as far as if he's looking at the text that is available without knowing the, the revisions that I have that are still private. And the reason they're private is because I've been going back and forth with several legislators on exact language. Uh, if you look at the plain text of how the bill is currently written, I would agree with them. I, I, I would absolutely agree with them. The reason I released the bill as early as I did in, in December, even though I knew it was incomplete, is because I didn't want it to be perceived as a gotcha bill. I didn't want people to say, okay, this was protected until the very last minute, and now all of a sudden, boom, here's a this religious liberty bill, and oh, it was, you know, we didn't have a chance to to vet it. So I released it early so that we could have these discussions and go through um, a refining process. Mm-hmm. So I agree with him, but that is certainly not the intent of, of what I was trying to do. Now, that being said, I am in this bill providing for a religious exemption, but I am shifting the obligation to render services from the individual to the county or the state. Hmm. Uh, okay, so the, so in your mind, uh, the modifications to your bill will address uh, Charlie's concern? I believe so. Mm-hmm. I you know, hope so. Maybe not, but yeah. I believe so. <laughs> okay. Uh, so as you said earlier in the program, um, the, the bill, I guess, as modified would mandate that somebody, I guess, at that office has to perform the, the marriage. But if you have, if the official has a, a religious objection, then that, that individual official doesn't have to be the one to, to do it. Is that 
Yeah, and, and you know, for the sake of, of being clear one more time, I don't think that, that, you know, there is a difference between receiving a certificate for marriage and solemnizing marriage. They mm. are two separate things. Mm. Um, I think if they want to have their marriage solemnized there at the county courthouse, uh, that the county has the obligation to make sure those services can be rendered at the time requested. So, yes, they would have to have someone on staff who's okay with it. Uh, that way, if someone had a religious objection, they could recuse themselves and still the services could be provided, thereby, you know, guaranteeing the protections for all. We do have a couple more uh, emails. Uh, Representative, are you okay going a few more minutes with us? Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll be going over the top of the hour a bit because uh, we've, we've got a lot of interest in this, this topic. Um, here is Dave in Logan uh, by email, which, by the way, is upraxis at gmail.com. He says, I have to chuckle as I listen to Governor Herbert talk about his personal beliefs. His personal beliefs are essentially dictated to him by his church leaders. This is uh, Dave's view, and this is what is so ridiculous. We all know that if uh, LDS leadership came out tomorrow and announced that gay marriage was just fine, then all of a sudden Governor Herbert and Utah legislature would also be fine with gay marriage. Remember that in the 1920s, LDS Church was for prohibition. Later in the 1960s, LDS Church was against interracial marriage. It's just too bad these politicians are apparently unable to think for themselves. This is a strain of thought I do hear from time to time. I, you probably hear it as well, Representative. How, how do you respond? Well, you know, anytime someone wants to characterize this as automatons, they're certainly welcome to do so. He's, he's you know, certainly free to his own opinion. I would adamantly disagree. Um, Anyone who doesn't believe the church is true, that's their own prerogative. But for those of us who do believe that there are prophets, seers, and revelators on the earth, they have the ability to uh, move the church forward as directed by God. So, you know, whether you call that blacks in the priesthood, whether you call it, you know, whatever, non-discrimination down this road, whatever wherever it ends up being, uh, you know, it, good for you. Have your own opinion, have your own beliefs, but I certainly vote the way I want to vote, and I can I can tell you right here, right now, I have never had a church official tell me how to vote, period. Mm -hmm. That being said, I'm not naive enough not to think that if the church doesn't take a stand, that that doesn't carry weight. Right. Of course it does, mm -hmm. but we're not mindless automatons, and so I take a little exception to what he said, but you know what? Good for you. You have your opinion. Stick with it. Right. Uh, here is Frank in uh, Cache Valley. He said, would any of your guests be willing to speculate whether, given the governor's comments, he would have supported a quote-unquote defense of religious racism act when the federal civil rights legislation was enacted so the LDS Church could continue to discriminate against people of color, including African Americans? Also, where did the red herring emerge from the C suggesting that Mormon bishops would be forced to perform marriages for same-sex partners? So to, first of all, he's, he's going back and equating, as you hear a lot, in, at least in the national press, uh, civil rights, you know, for the, the 1960s and gay rights uh, today. Sure, sure. Uh, it's impossible for me to speculate on what the governor would or would not do uh, based upon a an assumption that the church's position at one time um, may or may not change at another time. Um, <laughs> it's a loaded question, and, and uh, honestly, I, I'd prefer not to answer, mainly because I just think it's it doesn't hold a lot of weight to the discussion that we're having right now. Now, except for one point. The, the point is this, is, is interracial marriage... Uh, if it were something the church was still currently opposing, would that hold the same bearing? And I'd say, well, we don't know. And the reason we don't know, because uh, the church doesn't oppose interracial marriage. I, I went to a marriage uh, in the Draper Temple uh, just over a month ago for a nephew of mine who was marrying an a African-American girl, and the church had no problem with it. So uh, it's a hypothetical. Um, maybe if we were 60 years ago, we could address it, but... Uh, 
I, I just don't see that that has any bearing to what we're talking about today. And the the second point, and you, you, I have heard this, um, he calls it a red herring, Frank does, uh, suggesting that Mormon bishops would be forced to perform marriages for same-sex uh, partners. Well, yes, I would say if you look at today's standing, yes, probably. But here, here's the deal. Um, you know, we can look back to Abraham Lincoln for this. When he solidified powers under the, uh, you know, the War Powers Act to centralize uh, government, uh, in essence, from that point forward, individual states were much less, uh, were much less uh, able to you know, govern themselves without a centralized government coming in and saying, you can do this and you can do that. And so, um, so here, here's the deal. If you, know, if, you, if you use the Wayne Gretzky um, metaphor, you know, he said, what, what's the difference between a good hockey player and a great hockey player? A great hockey player skates to where the puck is going to be as opposed to where the puck is. Um, we have shown, I believe, pretty systematically how the courts have used the 14th Amendment equal protection under the law to quash 10th Amendment rights. At what point will that same rationale be used in legal settings to start quashing First Amendment rights? I think it's a matter of time. It may be a red herring today, but I don't know it's going to be red herring a decade, two, or three down the road. And so these type of protections, and this goes to your original question, we already have these protections on, under the First Amendment. Why do we need to duplicate it? It's because at some point, uh, someone somewhere is going to come and say, hey, Bishop, I'm in good standing. I have a temple recommend. Uh, I love Steve. He and I want to get married. He's also in good standing. We want to be married either here at the church, by you, or someplace by you, or even in the temple, and they're going to be told, no. And at that point, do they sue for equal protection under the law using the same rationale used in Judge Shelby's ruling? Now, today you may say that's a red herring. Two decades from now? I don't know. We are out of time. Let's uh, just uh, maybe reinforce the news that we've, uh, we've had today from Representative Van Der Egg. You may not run House Joint Resolution 5. Yes. Yeah, but you will be running House Bill 66, but it, it is in the process of being modified. It is in the process of being modified, and, and the reality is we're still getting the best uh, minds up here in the legislature um, talking about issues, and we're talking to everybody. I've been talking to Re- the Senator Jim DeBacchus about possible modifications, and I'm hopeful that we'll be able to come out with a piece of legislation that will strike a proper balance on this issue. All right. Well, we'll uh, see how this uh, this uh, rolls forward. Uh, Representative Jacob Anderig is Republican uh, from Lehigh, and he has uh, he's running House Bill sixty six on religious freedom. Thanks so much for coming on with us today. Thank you very much for having me. We're going to hear a while about Utah, and then uh, we'll have uh, the TED Radio Hour. Thanks for listening to Access Utah today. Welcome to Wild About Utah, a Utah Public Radio production featuring contributors who share a love of nature, preservation, and education. The American robin, with its abundance, red breast, and loud song, is one of the most recognizable backyard birds in North America. For many of us, the robin, or Turdus migratorius, is also thought of as a herald of spring. So why is it that we still occasionally see them in our wintry Utah backyards? Seasonal bird migration can be triggered by a number of things, but the two main drivers are food supply and nesting habitat. 
In spring and summer, the birds move northward to take advantage of insect hatches, budding plants, and the plethora of nesting sites. Then, as food sources dwindle in the fall, the birds move southward to areas where the necessary resources are still plentiful. The distances birds migrate in order to access these resources can range widely. Therefore, birds are generally categorized as being short, medium, or long-distance migrants. Robins are considered short-distance migrants. While their range spans all of Canada and the United States, extending down into Mexico, most robins do not travel far from their breeding grounds in winter and may not leave at all. Only the populations that breed and reside on the edges of this range will migrate seasonally. The robin's varied diet and behavioral adaptability are the primary reason these short migratory or non-migratory patterns are possible. Robins are preferably ground foragers, feasting on insects and earthworms in the spring and summer months. Yet, during the fall and winter, robins eat a fruit-based diet. They track this seasonal food source in flocks, abandoning their summer individualistic and territorial behavior. These flocks, or roosting aggregates, also help them survive the cold winter temperatures. As a result, robins are able to cope with the ground freezing, the disappearance of their preferred food source, and the harsh winter weather. Returning to our original question, is the American robin truly a sign of spring here in Utah? Is it strange to see this bird in our backyards during the winter months? The simple answer is no. Robins can be found year-round almost anywhere south of Canada. While they migrate nomadically, staying or leaving areas as weather and snow cover affect their food supply, there could be some keeping us company in Utah all winter. For Wild About Utah, I'm Anna Bankson. Wild About Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. For transcripts and archived audio of Wild About Utah, go online to upr.org and click on the Wild About Utah link. Support for Wild About Utah on UPR is made possible in part by our listeners and the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. For more than 30 years, working to preserve the wilderness at the heart of the Colorado Plateau. More about protecting Utah's wilderness heritage at suwa.org. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan.